invite you all to turn with me now to uh, God's Word as we uh, look at Matthew chapter 6 and indeed uh, Clayton's uh, song, an excellent introduction into our uh, passage today. Really, I think he, uh, he wrote a good bit of that to, to help us think about the content of our passage in Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing on through our uh, sermon in the, or our messages in the Sermon on the Mount this fall. We've made it all the way through uh, chapter 5, so we can be encouraged. We've made it through chapter 5, and we're moving into chapter 6, and then we'll hit uh, chapter 7 a little bit later, I guess, uh, first part of, of November. Uh, we have seen as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, again, for those that have maybe been here week in and week out, this is a reminder, but for others that are new to the, to the message uh, series, uh, remember that the Sermon on the Mount is working as a mirror to show us our need for Christ, our brokenness. It works as a uh, goal, a pursuit, a vision for the kingdom of God, the, what God wants to do in our hearts and lives and, and what we should head to and, and seek as believers. As we'll see, particularly today, it gives us a warning against uh, sin and often entices us, uh, woos us to righteousness. It doesn't just command us towards it. It gives us reasons to pursue uh, that righteousness. And uh, in all of this, of course, we are seeing the words of Jesus. Get to hear what he says to us. And we get to see ultimately that Jesus is the one who fulfills perfectly the kingdom paradigm, the kingdom vision that he lays out in the Sermon on the Mount, which is really good news for you and for me, because we fall really short of what Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're blessed to have a Savior who does perfectly what we cannot. And if our trust is in him to have his righteousness, his kingdom life credited and accounted to us. As we turn to these particular verses today in chapter 6, we're kind of uh, pivoting, we're transitioning a little bit. The last number of weeks, we've, we've talked about uh, what Jesus said about unjustified anger and how it's similar to murder. And how lustful looking is similar to adultery. And how uh, not really uh, aiming to, to be a person of your word, kind of structuring your words so you can get out of them is really sort of like lying, not being entirely faithful and honest. And we saw as well that, that God calls us to, to love even our enemies. It was kind of a, a moral framework, you might say, for our lives, for our broad interaction with the world around us. Jesus is now moving us into something that on the one hand is a little more narrow. And that is kind of our devotional life, our, our religious life, things like giving, prayer and fasting that we see in these chapters. I like what John Stott uh, said about this. It's a, a helpful note for us. He said it's important to acknowledge that according to Jesus, Christian righteousness always has these two dimensions, this moral, what we might call moral and this religious or devotional one. He says the moral and he says this: some speak and behave as if they imagine their major duty as Christians lies in the sphere of religious activity only, whether in church going or devotional exercises. Others, he says, have reacted so sharply against such an overemphasis on personal piety that they talk of a religionless Christianity. And for them, the church is the secular city. And prayer might be a loving encounter with someone around them. Stott says there's no need to choose between piety and morality, religious devotion in the church and active service in the world. Jesus taught that authentic Christian righteousness includes both. Okay, so we're going to we're making a transition, but we're seeing really ultimately both of those in the Sermon on the Mount. 
I invite you to stand with me as we uh, read along, as you read along silently and I read aloud. Uh, we're not going to read all 18 uh, verses. I don't want to steal Sam's thunder. Sam Fielder is going to preach for me next week while Patience and I are gone on this uh, missions-related trip. But, but we're going to focus in on the first four verses today. I'll read several other parts of the passage so you can get the, the flow, the pattern that's here. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand on the stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen to others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jump down with me to verse 16. And when you fast. Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. You may be seated. And let me pray again. Father, we ask that you would be with us in this time, that we might draw deeper to you in genuine heart seeking of relationship with you. And Lord, that you would convict us and correct us where we're simply pursuing you in outward ways with no inward intention. Help us to see that, that we might grow closer to you, experience a relationship with you more deeply. We pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know how many of you recall the TV show Pee-wee's Playhouse or the uh, movie, big hit movie that went along with it, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. These were late 80s, early 90s things. Uh, Pee-wee always uh, seemed like such a nice guy, didn't he? Uh, He had people into his little house. He took care of his animals and pets. He taught little lessons and so forth. It was generally uh, entertaining and good, wholesome stuff for folks. Yet my image, and perhaps you remember the moment when your image of Pee Wee changed, when Paul Rubens, the actor who played the part, was found in an adult playhouse involved in some indecent acts and arrested for it. It was almost too much for people to bear. Even though we knew, like other actors, he's just playing a part, the contrast was so stark for us. It was difficult to take. Well, Jesus is teaching us in these verses that uh, we're have a tendency to be actors as well. And sometimes actors who play one part before others around us or even before our own impression of ourselves, we're playing out a part 
that's often very different from who we really are, what our real motivation is. And as we walk through these uh, verses and we look at these topics, again, I'm going to leave kind of prayer and fasting part of this passage for Sam to tackle next week. And I'm going to focus in just on the first few verses. But we we see this pattern in place that Jesus is is trying to speak to us about to say, look, one of the dangers of uh, this relationship with God, one of the pitfalls is that we can do some of the spiritual stuff we do just so other people see us. And so we feel good about the religious part of our life or we can do it just so we see ourselves doing it and pat ourselves on the back. Instead, Jesus calls us to this uh, pathway and you can find some notes in the back of your worship guide if you'd like to follow along. The main idea I think is driving at just in these first four verses is that because God sees and rewards why we really do what we do. We must give for him alone. We must give for him alone. Now, this general idea applies to all of these uh, all of these things that are listed, not just giving, but praying and fasting. But but let's camp out on this a little bit for a minute. Uh, Take a look uh, with me at verse one of chapter six. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. Concern is is who sees. Right. And then if you jump down to verse four, it's a it's a refrain that I read throughout the the whole of the 18 verses here. So you could see it. But but here it's it's, it's first stated in chapter six. It says so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this is uh, on the one hand, really convicting news. And on the other hand, it's great news. Uh, For those places in our life where we're doing our religious stuff for the wrong motivation, it's pretty convicting when we realize that, you know, God actually sees our own hearts, our own soul motivation better than probably we see our own motivation. And he certainly sees it better than anybody else around us. That's convicting. It's also encouraging as well. Because what does Jesus invite us to here? He's not just telling us to steer clear of those false heart motives. He's telling us when you pursue a genuine relationship with God, do our religious things for him, then he's going to reward. He's going to bless. So God sees is the first thing for us to consider today. And I would just open, I guess, with this question. Do we believe that? Do we really believe now if you asked most people on the street, like a basic definition of God, they would probably include somewhere in there that God knows everything. That might be something that they would include. And we know that whether you've been in church for a few weeks or whether you've been in the gospel for since you can remember in your youngest years. We we know that in our minds. But as I was reading through these verses this week, I thought, do I really believe that I really live like I believe that God sees God sees both the good heart motivation and the heart motivation that's not really so genuine. The first thing we see is that God sees. Then Jesus goes a step further. He says again, looking in verse four, says, so your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's interesting. This idea of rewards. I read it, as you saw as well, in verse 6. It's also listed there. Your father who sees in secret your prayers 
will reward you. And then on down in verse 18, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, we got a little difficulty with this, don't we? Because if we've been reading the scriptures and understanding the gospel and even understand the rest of Matthew and what Jesus did for us, we understand that what Ephesians 2 says, that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. So it's real hard for us sometimes to figure out where does this idea of rewards fit in? And yet, if you start to read through the New Testament, it's kind of it's kind of all over the place. It's actually there in a lot of spots. How, how does this work? How, how do we pursue rewards without trying to earn our favor with God? We know Jesus paid pound for pound for the sins that we committed. He gives us his perfect righteousness. So we don't we can't add to it. We can't supplement it. It's all there for us. What's this mean that we should seek some kind of reward? Because Jesus is pretty crystal clear about it. Well, a couple of things to take into account, and then I'll try to share an illustration that will maybe help us bring it together. The first thing is that I think biblically the reward might look a little differently than we think. Okay? When we think about worldly rewards, we think about some tangible product or some money or something. We get a Christmas bonus in our, you know, for our workplace or uh, kids getting some candy at school for doing good and behaving well. You know, the reward really, first and foremost, is God. Isn't it? Because you think about it, if we're doing our giving or doing our praying or doing our fasting for something other than glorifying God, out of some other motivation than uh, gratefulness for what Jesus has done for us, if we're doing it for that, then we're kind of missing him. So the Lord, he wants to reward us so that we'll be drawn closer to him. You know, we we did uh, as a church, many of us have been working through some of these catechism questions that we've had each week. And I know sometimes they're a little bit antiquated language, but it's just a tool to help us learn the basics of our faith. And and so we, many of us have been trying to do one of those a week uh, individually or with our family. The one for this week, I don't know if you caught it, was it's probably one of the more complicated concepts, but the decrees of God. How does God carry out his decrees? Kind of a big word, decrees. Well, the answer is through creation and providence. Providence is everything he does to rule over everything. Creation is him making everything. And I thought about that with these verses today. You know, why is it that we seek God? Why is it that we want to know him? Well, because he gives everything. So so why do we give? What's our heart motivation to give? Because God gives. He gives the, the dirt that grows the grass, and he gives the air that we breathe, and he gives the trees that grow up out of there that we build our houses of, and the mud that they build the bricks out of, and everything we need comes from him. So the reward, if we think about giving, is that we exhibit God. We exhibit him. He's a giver. He's the one who gives by creating our whole existence. So God is, in a sense, the reward and emulating him. There's also an idea that Jesus has here. Jesus recognizes. He tells us elsewhere in the scriptures that we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. So whether we're thinking about giving to the the poor and the needy, which I think is probably the primary focus of this passage, or giving to support ministries of the church or missionaries around the world, or just a neighbor has some kind of need that you can help them out with and you're just trying to be a generous person, whatever way we think about giving, it usually involves us relinquishing something that we could keep for ourselves. So we're, we're sacrificing. We're giving something up. Most giving requires that. And Jesus is just reminding us here that God sees that. 
and, and, he, and he's going to balance everything out. He's not even going to just balance everything out. He's going to go above and beyond that. So we can trust that God is just, that God sees and knows what we've done. And then uh, there's this as well. That, uh, that, that we can think about it in this way, I think, is helpful. You know, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, uh, I had, I've got two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister. Uh, by the time I was aged maybe 10 or 11, I don't know, my, my older sister was for some reason no longer interested in the lawn mowing job at the Peters household. But uh, my dad, my folks are in town here. My dad's here. My, my dad, we entered a little contract, you know, five bucks to mow the lawn, which is you know, a pretty good deal, but not a bad deal. So each time I mowed the lawn, I got $5. Now, you know, probably even if you'd asked me at that time, I'm sure I could articulate it. Certainly now I can explain it. You know, is the sum total relationship between my dad and I some kind of compensation for me mowing the lawn? No, I, I knew that my relationship with my dad was his love for me and that I was his son and had that relationship with him that was there regardless of, of any of those things. But he, he chose to set that system up of rewards, if you will, to kind of motivate me, to help me do something that would be, be good and be good for the family. You can even think about it from a monetary standpoint. I mean, you add up, I don't know how many times you mow the lawn. I grew up in Chicago. The summer's shorter. So, what, 12 times per, per summer, maybe 14 times you mow the lawn. What's the sum total over 10 years from, you know, age 8 or 9 until I leave for college? You know, it's not more than seven or $800 that my dad's actually paying. So it's not very much. The amount's not that much compared to, you know, what do they say today it costs to raise a child? We all don't like to hear these figures, us with little children, but, you know, $200,000? $150,000, I'm sure it was at least, you know, seventy-five dollars or $100,000 back in my day when I was coming through. You know, a pittance, a small amount really is the reward for mowing the lawn. But it was put in place to encourage me. And, and I think it's kind of like that in God's, you know, our relationship with God. As I said earlier, he's given us everything. He's given us the very life that we have. Then on top of that, he's gone and given Jesus to rescue us from our sin and lostness, give us salvation, eternal life. So he's done that. And then the way God works is he just he wants to even encourage us more. So he says, look, you know what? If you do the things that I'm inviting you to do for the right reasons, giving prayer, fasting, other spiritual things, and you're seeking me in it, I'm even going to give you something more for that. I'm going to reward you in some way. And we might experience some of that reward now if we've if we prayed or if we fasted or if we've given We've probably seen God meet us in that way. We've, we've seen him teach us something about the things that he's provided for us or about relationship with him. But ultimately, he's going to provide us something even greater in, in eternity with him. That's the idea of rewards. You know, the, the scriptures bring it together in this way. In, in the book of Revelation, you remember what it, it says that the uh, apostles, the disciples are, are doing in that, that picture in, in Revelation where they, they have these crowns that they've been given. Now, pretty impressive to have a, a crown, you know, something gold and shiny on top of your head that everybody can notice. And do you remember what they do with those crowns, though? Take them off and they put them at the feet of Jesus. So God's doing this thing where he's given us something that ultimately comes from him. He's the one that worked in our lives to save us and give us a heart to even seek him through giving, through prayer, through fasting. He's going to do it in such a way, though, that we give it back to him. We acknowledge that it all comes from him. Well, a couple of application points and then we'll close. Uh, the first one is uh, is this. 
And, uh, and I can think about this in terms of my, again, my growing up experience. I, I had the, uh, the extreme, extreme privilege of when I was in sixth or seventh grade, I can't remember, but we had a, a light, middle, and heavyweight football team at my junior high. And the cutoff for the middleweight football team was 92 pounds. I weighed 93 pounds. So I rolled the, rolled the pines all year long. I was on the bench. I didn't play at all. Um, I was kind of trying to grow into my physical size at the time, too. So even if I'd been put on the field to play, I would have been shocked to get the ball. And if I had gotten the ball, I would have felt pretty good that I had held on to it and maybe, you know, not lost yardage. You know, imagine if the coach came up to me all of a sudden one game and said, you know, get in there, you get the ball every time, go score three touchdowns. It'd be a lot. It'd be a big request for me. And for some of us, as we think about especially this giving part of this passage, it's a little bit like that. We haven't really maybe gotten into the game. It's a a new thing for us. We're just beginning to think about it or pray about it or look at it in our lives. And when Jesus says in this passage, hey, I not only only want you to, to give, but to kind of give for the heart motivation, the right motivation that I desire for you, it sounds like he's saying, go get the ball and score three touchdowns. Sounds a little intimidating. Now, let me just encourage you to, to take that first step, right? Take that first step. Uh, Jesus wants us to have our heart in the right place, but he also assumes that we're going to do all these things. He doesn't say if we give or if we pray or if we fast. He says when we do these things, we ought to do them in such and such a way. So that's a challenge maybe for some of us to think about getting into that game, if you will. And then the the other thing that Jesus talks about, and he camps out on it for a a couple of um, verses here, starting in verse 2. He says, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you. I guess the Pharisees back then, what they did was uh, ostensibly they were sounding a trumpet so that the needy would know, right? (laughs) We're just sounding the trumpet so the needy would know to come out and get our gifts. We're not sounding the trumpet so everybody knows that we're going out and helping the needy. We're just sounding the trumpet so everybody will know that they need to come out and get their help. Well, this is what they were doing. And, and so Jesus says, hey, look, that's, that's obviously a problem if you're doing your religious stuff just so other people see you. But he says there's another problem. He said, you might see your own self doing what you know God wants you to do and kind of start patting yourself on the back. And so he, he has this saying that, you know, probably one we've heard in our culture before. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What's that all about? He's just saying we've got this vicious tendency as prideful people to even pat ourselves on the back for doing spiritual stuff that we know in our minds. God rescued us out of our brokenness, out of our lostness. He's the only reason we're even doing these things. And yet somehow it gets twisted up in our heart and we start to have pride and even those good things that we would do, those spiritual things. And Jesus says, hey, Guard your heart against this. It's kind of like the old uh, show uh, Happy Days. Everybody remember Happy Days? Who's watched Happy Days? Some of us dating ourselves just a little bit. Youngsters haven't seen it. You remember uh, Fonzie? Fonzie, I loved his character. You remember what he would do when he would go into the, the little diner thing? He'd go in that bathroom, right? And he'd just check, you know, he'd get his hair combed perfectly. And he'd get, make sure his clothes were out. And then he'd come on out, right? And everybody would his thumbs up. All right. And everybody's attention would be upon him again we're probably not like that in our spiritual practices too much with other people 
Or we're like that with ourselves. All right. Don't I look good doing this spiritual thing? Jesus says, goodness, seek the seek the higher reward. If that's what you're seeking, you'll, you'll get it. That's that's what you'll get. But that's all you'll get. You'll get a pat on your back from yourself or you'll get some impression you give other people. But if you seek me and seek my reward, you'll get something so much greater. We lived in St. Louis. We used to, um, on occasion, drive out to Colorado. Uh, we did this a couple of times. I lived there for nine years. When you're in seminary and so forth, they ask you to come do these youth uh, ski trips and speak on the retreats and so forth. So I drove sometimes with a van full of you know, junior high or high school kids. Imagine that. Um, that's one I hope God accounts for later on, you know, just a sacrifice, sacrifice, give me some reward. So, uh, so, so we, we did, we did that. And then a couple of times patience and I just went with some friends, but, uh, probably not that many of you would have any reason to have made that drive, but Missouri's pretty flat. Kansas might even be flatter. Eastern Colorado is flatter than both of those places. If you've ever, you know, you don't think about it that way. If you've just been to the mountains. And, and so you, you reach this point where you're like looking for the mountains <laughs> where this is our 11. This is our 12. Where are the mountains? Junior high kids shut up. Where are the mountains? You're trying to get there. So, you know, you're looking for something and it get, you almost get delusional to where the clouds on the horizon start to look like they're mountains. And you're believing their mountains because I've got to be there and I've got to be out of the van with these junior high kids. And, and instead, you know, it's just a it's just vapor. And then you eventually get there and you eventually see the real peaks and the mountaintops and the beauty and the majesty of it. And you, you love it. And, uh, and this is just what Jesus is talking to us about. A lot of times the spiritual stuff we do, let's be honest, it's, it's vapor. It's just a cloud. There's not much to it. He says, boy. Let me invite you. Let me invite you to heal. Let me invite you to pray. Let me invite you to fast in a way that, that it, it really it looks like those beautiful mountain peaks. Because that's what it will look like if you're genuinely seeking me in it. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you so much that you are a God who uh, doesn't just uh, give us your commands and tell us to obey them, which would be good and fair, and we ought to do. Uh, you don't just... Uh, give us your commands and save us and rescue us and say, hey, because I've loved you so much, you should respond in obedience and love, although that would be good. But, Father, you give us your commands, you love us and rescue us, and then you also, for no reason that you have to, choose to reward the obedience that you rightly require of us. God, this is just amazing, and I pray that you would Move us deeper into our religious devotional practices with you, specifically this area of giving we talked about today. And in doing that, Lord, that we would really meet you and glorify you in a genuine way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.